love. Amen. I don't know about you, but I am grateful for his great love. Amen. And I'm so grateful. And we've just finished out the study on eternal security. And uh, boy, what a blessing it is that he loves us and he keeps us. Amen. And so what a blessing that is. Well, let's open up the book of Romans as we continue our study through the book of Romans. We're going to we're in Romans chapter 12 tonight. Taking my time getting there. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 12. Tonight we're going to be looking at we all have a part. There's a note on the back page, uh, back table back there if you need them. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8 is where we're going to focus tonight. The Bible says in verse number 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts deferring according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportions of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, We're going to look at those verses tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for tonight. I pray that you would bless us and encourage us. Fill me with your Holy Spirit as I preach. I pray that you help us to fit all that that I'd like to say, that I feel like you would lead me to say, but help me not to say anything you don't want me to say. And I pray that you just fill me with your Holy Spirit to know uh, what you would, how you would lead. Be with us now tonight. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, we looked at uh, first, uh, the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. And we've had a couple of Sunday nights, uh, unusual Sunday nights, so that we didn't have service. And so tonight we are in uh, this passage here. We talked about, the last time we met, about the fact that Paul has shifted from theological to a little bit more practical teaching from this point forward. Um, He starts with practical teaching by saying that we need to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And he says it is a reasonable expectation for the Christian to present ourselves and our lives to Christ after all that he has done for us. It's reasonable for him to expect that from us. Uh, We sometimes feel like we're doing God a favor by serving him. Uh, No, we're doing ourselves a favor, and we're getting ready for heaven, because I believe that's exactly what heaven is going to be, serving the Lord. And uh, he tells us that we uh, need to not be conformed, or we looked at that word that's molded, uh, to this world, but being transformed, or the Greek word metamorpho, where we get our word metamorphosis, changed from the inside out by renewing our mind. Now in verse number 3, Paul tells us to be careful not to think of ourselves too highly. Uh, Paul knows the natural tendency of the Christian, doesn't he? Uh, Once some growth is seen, we have a tendency to look at that growth and think to ourselves, well, I've arrived. 
Uh, I'm better than these other guys that are just struggling, poor them. Uh, I've grown so much, and uh, they just, we just need to pray for them. You know, it's like, kind of like the Southern saying, and bless their heart. You know, that's the Christian version is I'll pray for you, or we need to pray for them. You know, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we tend to just get prideful over what little growth that we've grown. Uh, and, boy, the devil loves to get in there and uh, kind of cause that division in our hearts. And so he starts in this passage by saying, Roman number one, as we start off, uh, we need to think soberly. We need to think soberly. He said, verse number three, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I've been struggling with um, at my acid problem more lately. I think I'm uh, drinking too much coffee or something. I don't know, uh, but it's causing me to cough and such. <clears throat> so be bear with me, I pray. Uh, but to think soberly means to use sound judgment, uh, moderation, to be self-disciplined, and to think seriously about the state that we're talking about. And we do this, first of all, letter A, through grace, through grace. Uh, the gra through the grace given unto me, he says. Grace is unmerited favor. Uh, but it's also been defined as uh, the help that we need to do what we ought to do. Uh, in other words, God giving me the desire and the power to do his will. It's that living grace that he gives us to be able to do this. And he says if we're going to think soberly, then we're going to need to do that by grace. And if we're going to think correctly... We're going to have to do that through the grace of God. Now, how do we do the will of God, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God that he just spoke of? How are we going to do that? We're going to do it by the grace of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Where do we go to find that grace? We go straight to the throne of God, and he gives us the grace to help us in our time of need. We go to his throne and we ask for his help, and he gives, answers that prayer by giving us grace. We open his word and we become transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this prepares us to do his will, that good and perfect will of God. Uh, not only do we do his will through grace, but we also see in this verse that there's something else involved. We do this by faith, letter B. Uh, for, I, for I say, he says, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we're to think soberly according to faith. And this verse tells us that we take this task on. We think soberly according to the faith that God has given us. We step out in faith and do what God has called us to do, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, uh, not becoming prideful but thinking soberly and do what he tells us to do. And this is all done by the faith that God gives to us. And we don't need to muster up faith. We need not need to clench our fists and go, I believe, I believe, I believe. That's not faith. No, God gives us faith and we yield to his Holy Spirit and we act on what he is telling us to do by faith, by believing, by trusting what he says is the right thing to do. 
We do not need to fake it till we make it. Uh, God gives us the real thing. Amen. And no, no, uh, God deals with to every man the measure of faith that is required to do what he is asking you to do. Now why? For what purpose? It is because, Roman numeral 2, we are members in one body. We are members in one body. Verse 4 and 5, the Bible says, for as, many, uh, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. The word at the beginning of verse 4 tells us that he is connecting the previous thought to this one. For as many members. Uh, why do, you think, why do, you, do you, we need to think soberly and not think of yourself more highly than you ought? Because we are members of one body. We are working together as a body of Christ to accomplish what this, he wants this church to accomplish. Not everyone has the same function. And not everyone has the same office, but we all have a part to play, hence the title of the sermon. We all have a part to play, but Paul brings our attention around the real truth. We are many members, but one body. First of all, we see letter A, in Christ. We are members in one body, in Christ. Uh, we, so we, bring verse 5, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members of, one, uh, of another. It's easy to think, though, of the only the human aspect of the church. And the pastor is the leader, the deacons and trustees as the board. The congregation is the hands and feet of the church. But let's not forget the most important aspect of this truth. We are all many members in one body in Christ. Christ is the head of the church. Ephesians 1.22 tells us, And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Colossians 1.18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. He is the shepherd. The pastor is just the under-shepherd. I often, when I'm with other pastors or somewhere else, I will often say, uh, my church does this or something like that. And every time I say it, I have a tinge in my heart. There's, it is my church because I belong here. Uh, but uh, there's still that tinge where I say, wait a minute, make sure you know it's not your church. Amen. Uh, it's not my church, it's God's church. Now, everybody understands what I'm saying. And, everyone, and I understand what I'm saying. And the person that I'm talking to understands what I'm saying. I don't think I need to voice that, uh, but it's that constant reminder that I want to put in myself. It's not mine, it's God's. He is the shepherd. I am just the under-shepherd trying to obey the best I can, yielding to the Holy Spirit and obeying what the shepherd wants me to do. Boy, what a responsibility to hear and walk with him so that I know what he wants us to do as a church. And the, congregate, the board members are servants that help fulfill that. And uh, you know how important it is to never lose sight of that, this truth, though. Pray for your pastor that he is led by the shepherd. Uh, pray that he listens to the shepherd's leading. We talked a lot about praying for your pastor on Wednesday night. Oh, how important it is. I covet your prayers. Pray for the board and the pastor that they'll not yield to the fleshly desires to do what they want, 
but that they will all listen to the direction of the shepherd and help mobilize the flock to do what God wants us to do. We're led by Christ, the head of the church. But we also must never forget that, letter B, we are also members one of another. We're also members one of another. Again, verse 5, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. The word members literally is talking about body parts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, he says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. We are all members, parts of this body. And then he says the phrase, one of another. Why are the members being one of such importance? In other words, he is saying we are all part of each other. And when the hand attacks the leg, the whole body hurts and the whole body struggles. We need not attack each other. We need to help each other and aid each other. Amen. Why is it so important that one member not single itself out? Well, imagine this. You're walking through the woods, enjoying a nice solitude out there in the middle of the woods. And all of a sudden you stumble upon a human arm. Just a human arm out in the middle of the woods. How many would agree that something is seriously wrong with that situation? Amen? Something is seriously wrong if there's just an arm sitting there in the middle of the woods. Okay? That arm has no life of itself. It is dependent on all the other parts of the body to pump the blood in and out. It's dependent on the heart to do the pumping. It's dependent on the brain to tell the heart to function, as well as the arm's muscles to do its job. It, and of itself, is worthless, useless. But when together, in working order, much can be done. Amen? Uh, uh, An arm by itself is a horror scene. It's a horrible thing to stumble across. I hope that never happens to me. I don't want that because I I don't want to see that. Why? Because it's wrong. There's something wrong there. And such as a Christian out on their own, not listening to the Holy Spirit's leading to get into a church where they can be part of the body. A church, a Christian out on its own is just as much of a horror as an arm out in the middle of the woods on its own. We're not built, we're not made to be alone. No, it's not good for man to be alone. Amen? In any respect. God says we need one another. And we need to depend upon one another. And we're not out here alone. By the grace of God and through the measure of faith that God gives us, we work together to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. We cannot be successful in this life if we go off on our own. We have to remain with the body. I have seen many church members leave. They don't become a transplant in other places sometimes, in another body. But they just leave altogether, leave the church. And so often we see death and decay come to their life. What was once so full of life ends up just rotting away, and their family with them. Everything that God had for them is gone. And it's not too late, because we serve an incredible, miracle-working God. It, it, it may not be the same as it could have been, but even if a dead, decaying member is reconnected 
to the body, God does a supernatural work of giving life again. Amen? Now, it doesn't always work that way with a human arm. Uh, but, uh, you know, if they catch it in time, great. But praise the Lord, we're not dependent upon a God who has to catch it on time. Amen? He can do a miracle working in the hearts of people if they'll just yield to the Holy Spirit of God. And we're in the body of Christ, members one of another. And then number three, I want you to see that we are here for a purpose. We're here for a purpose. Number three, <coughs> verses number six through eight. Having then gifts deferring according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhort exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. We've all been given gifts different from one another. And with different levels of different, sometimes multiple of these gifts. And different from one another because we are different members of the body. And have different purposes. And thereby we have different functions. Again, the gifts have been given to us according to God's grace. He gave it. Amen. It is nothing that we have achieved or earned on our own, but God, through his grace, has decided to use us. Boy, what a privilege that is, amen? He didn't have to use us. A God that can do anything and everything, not to mention he has a legion of an legions of angels and many more than we could ever uh, imagine, I imagine. Does that make sense? Uh, you know, and uh, he could have done it all by himself, or he could have chosen to do, the, do it with the messengers of the angels. But he chose to use us to do his work. Oh, how important it is that we find where God wants us to be, get involved, and get active doing what he wants us to do. He's decided to use us, and it's a privilege. We went through an entire series a couple of years back on uh, the details of each of these gifts. But I want to go through and review them. Uh, we have new members as well. And so I'm going to do a quick version of a 13-week study that we did uh, before. So if you want more details, uh, first of all, those lessons are, uh, are those sermons are available online. Uh, you just got to have to go looking for them for a little while. Uh, but I can also give you information if you'd like. But there are ministry gifts found in Ephesians 4.11. Uh, apostles, prophets, <clears throat> evangelists pastors and teachers these are the gifts that the church uh, it's the church's responsibility to bestow the church hires a pastor the church sends an evangelist the church chooses a teacher to teach and those are the ministry gifts in the church and those are the responsibility i believe of the church to do uh, to get those uh, gifts given out and then there are the manifestation gifts I believe we are now, these gifts are now dead. Uh, now that which is perfect is come, the, that which is in part shall be done away, he says. But these gifts are found in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. Uh, we have working of miracles, prophesying. There the word speaks of predicting something. We have the discerning of spirits. Uh, we have speaking in diverse tongues and, uh, uh, and different kinds of tongues and interpreting tongues. And these were manifestations that showed that God was with the early church and proved that this was God's will for this church to be started and evangelize the world. And then here in this passage in Romans, we have our motivational gifts. 
I, I, I like the description. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit that motivate us or lead us to do the things that God wants us to do within the church. Uh, to help the health of the church and the ministry of the church go forward. And by the way, these statements about these gifts are based upon observations from many Bible teachers and pastors through the years rather than one straight biblical explanation. Such As such, should not be taken as gospel truth. Amen? We shouldn't run too far with these descriptions of these gifts, okay? I know people who get so wrapped up in their gift uh, that that's all they ever think about. But these are just observations that we have seen, okay? This is not uh, the Bible says the such and such does this, okay? Uh, and don't use it as an excuse to sin, amen? Uh, but they are uh, just observations of what the gifts that we have, uh, that God has given us. Uh, so as such, we have to, can't take it as inspirational truth, just an observation that many pastors have seen through the years. The first, as listed here, is the prophet. The prophet. The word here speaks of, uh, of foretelling, but it speaks of speaking forth the revelation of God. I think here it's not the action of prophesying, but it's the action of revealing truth that God has revealed to us. Uh, we have the complete revelation of God uh, that he is wanting to reveal to us through the Bible. And we have everything that we need to know from the word of God. There's nothing else that needs to be revealed. So the prophet reveals uh, or speaks forth the revelation of God, which is the word of God. Okay? We're not standing here saying, I see such and such, and I believe you're going to come into great wealth. And you know, No, that, that's not what we're talking about. Okay? We're talking about the Bible says this, and we need to do this. Okay? That's what we're talking about. Uh, so the prophet in the church speaks forth that which has been revealed. You'll see a lot of pastors with the gift of, prophet, uh, of the prophet. Uh, they speak for, have the gift to be able to apply Scripture quickly and be able to pull truth out of the Word of God and speak it forth. And uh, some have called this uh, gift the proclaimer uh, or some the perceiver. Uh, it has the intuitive sense that enables them to discern the inner motives, the secrets of people's hearts, and view them in light of God's words. Not saying they can see their heart or see their minds or read their minds. We're not talking about that. But as they speak, they, get, they can see Bible that applies to what they're saying. Uh, and they have the ability to connect God's word to life situations and people's actions. And there's an innate drive for them to speak about what they see. Uh, many prophets get themselves in real trouble sometimes uh, because they speak before the Holy Spirit tells them to or leads them to. And when not yielded to the Holy Spirit for the right timing, uh, the prophet can really get into a mess. And the prophet has a real alertness to dishonesty and sin and feels an urge to speak the word of God to tr the, tr and, uh, the truth about the matter. Uh, and they grieve deeply over sin of other people. And uh, they, they want justice to happen and truth to happen and it's very important to them to the prophet uh, they're typically all uh, all in when it comes to involvement and they recognize the importance of obedience so they go all in when the lord tells uh, leads them to do something they're just all in completely and the prophet is more loyal to truth than people uh, if a person that they uh, love, their pastor or their uh, somebody, as, and they stray away from the truth, uh, they stick to the truth most, uh, most of the time. And they're willing to suffer for a right, even for it. 
Uh, but there are some dangers that which sometimes can be seen in the life of people that, that, are, uh, that are like this. Uh, they have a tendency to expose sin without being worried about restoring the person. Uh, they're more interested in the truth of, the, of what's going on, and they move on without restoring the person back to uh, the way that God wants them to be. Uh, they can jump to the wrong conclusions when they, don't have, when they have limited information and uh, assume things about the situation. A prophet acting in the flesh rather than yielding to the Spirit can be very harsh, unforgiving, uh, including about themselves. Uh, if someone spilled a plate of food, we'll use this illustration throughout the night, but if a, someone spills a plate of food on the carpet, a prophet might say something like, uh, that's what happens when you're not careful. <laughs> you know, and they're sometimes harsh, and they just say, this, this is why it happens. You weren't careful. And by the way, I, I have a great handout for each of these motivational gifts that have been a help to me. Uh, if you have a spiritual, uh, we have some spiritual gift tests in the back. And uh, again, it's not gospel. It's just a tool to be able to help uh, us kind of determine which way God has gifted you personally and which way you t uh, God, the Holy Spirit, leads you. Uh, but we have those in the back if you would like that. And I have handouts that I can print for you if you're interested. Uh, the second one we see is the servant. We've call, uh, many call it the servant. It says, or ministry. Uh, let us wait on our ministry. The servant or the gift of ministry is the practical service agent of the church. They're the ones that see needs and want to get it done, take care of it. Uh, they see the practical needs of others and they work to fulfill those needs. A lot of times they're, they want to take care of the, uh, uh, take care of the menial tasks of, of people around them so that they can be free to be able to achieve their own motivational gifts or do their own motivational gifts. They, and they typically uh, 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 completely disregard their own needs and their weariness just so they can keep working to be able to serve other people. A lot of times they have a very difficult time saying no. And so a, serv a servant has to be very careful uh, to stay within their limits of what they're able to do. Uh, but they're very alert to the likes and dislikes of the people whom they serve. Uh, but there comes with this a real need for approval. They have a tendency to uh, really want to, the approval of the people around them. And the servant feels more fulfilled uh, with a lot of short-range goals. They can get more done, and they say these short-range goals allow them to get more done, and so they would rather that than long-term goals. Uh, but they are typically not observant of details of the job often. Um, some dangers of a servant is that they're, uh, they will at times give unrequested help and sometimes cause hard feelings uh, and make them f people feel like that they're not doing their job right or something like that. Uh, they can sometimes work beyond their own physical limits uh, just to get, see the job get done. Uh, the service, uh, servants sometimes can become, uh, uh, excuse me, the service, uh, doing a service can sometimes become more important to them than their other God-given responsibilities in their life. Uh, sometimes even their own husband or, or wife or their family needs and such like that. They'd be so wrapped up in making sure that everyone else's needs are taken care of that they don't take care of their own God-given responsibilities at home. And when they feel unappreciated, they can become very resentful. Um, and sometimes you'll see people leave churches because uh, they felt unappreciated. And it's, uh, it's important for the servant to know they're accomplishing these things and it means something to someone. Uh, and sometimes they can step in to help too soon, as I mentioned earlier, and interfere with God's discipline on someone. 
Sometimes they're overburdened, someone else is overburdened because they haven't listened to the Holy Spirit and they haven't listened to God and, and, and his word. And so they're overburdened. And a servant sees that and say, oh, I'm going to step in and help. Uh, but you end up kind of conflicting with what God is trying to do sometimes. Now, God will always accomplish his will. Uh, but uh, sometimes it just gets in the way. In regard to the plate of food being spilled, the servant would say something like, oh, let me help you clean that up. And they'll be the one right there before the plate even hits the ground and uh, ready to help. Uh, letter C, the teacher. I'm going to try to speed this up a little bit here. Uh, this one may be a little deceptive uh, because we think of the teacher as the one who is gifted at standing before a crowd to teach. Uh, but this is the motivational gift. The ministry gift of teaching is very much that, and God enables the teacher to do what, what uh, he wants them to do. Uh, this is uh, kind of the undersurface of that teaching. Uh, those with the motivational gift of teaching can uh, make great teachers, uh, but sometimes they get so bogged down with an overabundance of information about a topic uh, that it can go over the pupil's heads rather than to the heart. Um, and this motivational gift is the ability to understand the principles and teachings of God's word and to clarify it for other people. The prophet will just interested in giving it out and speaking it. Uh, the teacher is more interested in, do you understand what we're talking about here? And this is what, it, this, is what this means. And, you know, the Greek is this and, the, <laughs> and all of those things. And uh, when they hear facts, they want to validate that information and research it to see if that's true. Uh, a teacher has a real gift of discernment. Um, of, of other teachers, and they want to check their sources and information about what the other teachers taught. Um, they tend to uh, teach systematically in a way that is laid out in an orderly sequence because they don't want anyone to miss something. Um, they, they'll gather uh, many facts, sometimes too many to be able to be used, uh, but they are very thorough in their study. And when the teacher learns about something, they really learn about it. Uh, and some dangers of the gift of teaching are things like they can be, uh, end up being proud of their own knowledge and their own achievements or credentials. Uh, try, seek uh, approval from other people by stating their credentials. Uh, they can, if, using the, if acting in the flesh, over-depend upon human reasoning rather than faith in God's word. It can be very uh, a temp a strong temptation if they're not walking with God to lean upon uh, 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 facts rather than what God says, and they can uh, uh, they can overemphasize the mind over the Holy Spirit. We have to be careful. The heart is dece dece uh, deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so we have to make sure that we use the Word of God as our compass. The Word of God is our, our guidebook. And, uh, but they can desire cold, hard facts over scriptural presuppositions if they're away from God. And God has given various people in the church with, uh, with his gift. And I know there's, uh, we have quite a few teachers, uh, from the, judging by the, the ministry gifts uh, test that we took before, and uh, so that we can have uh, very accurate truth taught. He gives us that so that we can have the truth of God. But as any gift, when not yielded to the Holy Spirit, it can become out of balance. And the teacher, when they see someone spill a plate of food on the carpet, may say something like, uh, well, the reason that that fell is that it was too heavy on one side, and so it was unbalanced, and so it fell out of your hand. And they want to give the facts rather than uh, being interested in helping the situation any other way. 
Oh, they view that as the best help that they can give. Uh, letter D, the exhorter. He says, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Uh, the word or exhortation is from the word parakleo, it, it, meaning to be called to one side. Uh, by, the, by the way, it's a similar to a name given to the Holy Spirit, the comforter. An exhorter is an encourager. Uh, and by the way, this is my primary gift. Um, exhorter has, has, been, has been said to be the mouth of the body, and I think my dad would highly agree that I'm the mouth of the family. Uh, but uh, it, it's uh, the one that wants to speak forth and help and find ways to get things done. Uh, he, he will accept people as they are without judging them. The prophet sees the sin and wants, to, and wants to speak the truth so they can fix it. Not as interested in fixing it and get involved in fixing it. The exhorter comes along and says, this is how you fix that. <laughs> and, uh, but they they're accept people who they are and without judging. The prophet will see someone uh, as either in or out of God's will. There's no in-betweens. Uh, the exhorter doesn't see extremes. Uh, he just sees people as people. Uh, and again, this is, this, these are very generalized, generalized statements, okay? Uh, not everyone is, is like this uh, and everything. Everybody is different. And everybody has a different mixture of what the way that God wants to use you. And so, uh, you know, that he's going to help you and see your personality form in the way that he wants you to be. But the, uh, 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 he sees that no one has arrived yet, but encourages people to get closer to arriving. And uh, the exhorter needs a, a sounding board to bounce ideas off of, uh, to, get, to make decisions. I, I often need to hear my ideas out loud as I talk to the board members about things. Uh, and, uh, or the teachers at teachers meeting and things like that. I get feedback and then I can make a decision sometimes. And sometimes I just have to hear it out loud before I can really do anything about it. But an exhorter is committed to spiritual growth of, of others and goes out of his or her way to help people grow step by step. An exhorter makes decisions quickly and easily, but sometimes it can be a danger because they may not have all the facts, but snap decisions come. I have to be real careful. In my mind, as people talk to me, I th I'm, thinking, I'm thinking automatically, okay, this is what they need to fix that. And, you know, and sometimes they don't want to hear how to fix it. They just want me to hear them and love them rather than fix them. Amen? And sometimes I'm hearing the thing, oh, this is what they need to do to fix that. And all of a sudden I get more information. I was like, oh, no, 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 this is how they need to do to fix that. And as I get more information, my fix changes, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm acting in the flesh. Because I'm not listening and waiting and, and, uh, and hearing all of the facts. The Bible calls that a fool. And, uh, and so you have to be very careful. But uh, he, he wants to clear up problems as quick as possible. If there's a, some kind of disagreement, he wants to go in and take care of it and make sure everything is go, uh, working right so that people can grow and keep growing and not get bitter. Uh, the exhorter has high expectations of himself as well as the people around him. And this can be a, a real problem, too, sometimes. Uh, the exhorter can see the root of the problem and clear steps of actions to take care of and fix the problem. And when something is decided, he's, he's urgent to get going on the steps of actions. Uh, and the dangers uh, can be that he looks to himself to solve the problems rather than delegating. Uh, and says, this is how it needs to be done. I better just get busy doing it. Rather than saying, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? And get help in accomplishing it. And so uh, a lot of times we can limit ourselves in what gets done uh, because we don't do right. 
And the exhorter can be cut and dry in prescribing steps of action and say, bam, 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 there you go, that, go, go get busy. You know, uh, no heart behind it if they're not careful. And he can be very proud of accomplishments or results. Uh, he can fall into the trap of treating people like projects rather than people. Um, and it can be quick to give up on uncooperative people. It's easy to just write people off and say, well, if you aren't going to listen to me and do what needs to be done, then I'm just going to go move on to someone who else who will listen and help them because they'll listen to me. <laughs> and first of all, uh, what a prideful thing to do, amen? Uh, and so you have to, we have to be very careful. An exhorter may see someone spill a plate of food and say, Next time, let's serve the food from the left side and pass it clockwise so that everyone will flow in the same direction so there's less likelihood to uh, some, spilling something. And there's a plan, and the steps of that plan are laid out. Then we have letter E, the giver. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. The giver sees resources and are gifted in compiling, excuse me, compiling and using those resources to get a job done. Uh, they give freely of money, possessions, time, energy, anything that they have available to them, they're willing to give it. Uh, he wants to feel a part of the ministry in which he gives. Uh, he wants to be active in it. Uh, he's, he or she is concerned with what he gives is high quality. This, uh, at food drives, it's not pulled from the back of the pantry uh, to the food drive. It's, no, we're going to go buy new food for the food pantry, and they're very concerned about high quality. Uh, he desires more of the, uh, uh, excuse me, most of the time to be uh, to give in secrecy. He doesn't like to uh, be aware uh, that he's giving. And some dangers is that a giver will sometimes give to get out of other responsibilities. I've given to missions, so I don't have to witness or go out myself. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it can be used that if if done in the flesh. If not yielded to the Holy Spirit, the giver can tend to want, uh, want to use his gift to control the situation or control people. Uh, and they can tend to give more sparingly to family than they do other people. And sometimes can bring resentment and bitterness in their family because of it. And if not careful, they can cause people to look at them rather than God for their needs. And they can fulfill needs so often, not listen to the Holy Spirit and him say, you need to give this to this person. Uh, and instead of yield, uh, yielding to that, they see a need and just want to fill it. And sometimes step ahead of God. Again, uh, step ahead of sometimes God's judgment on a person uh, and trying to discipline them and help them. And the giver sees a plate of food that was spilled and may say something like, well, I'll be happy to buy you a new dish for that one that was broken. I'll pay for the food that was spilled too. And uh, they just want to give. Not letter F. The organizer, sometimes labeled the gift of administration or ruling. Uh, verse 8, again, it says, he that ruleth with diligence. Uh, this is someone who's highly gifted in organizing the resources that are available. Uh, he enjoys working with and around people. They're a people person most of the time. They're highly motivated to organize the people and resources that are available so that God, they can accomplish what God has, wants us to do. Uh, they can see the final result and they can see how to get there, and they work diligently to get there. Uh, they prefer more to be under authority, but still have authority uh, to move the people and resources around as they see needs to happen. Uh, they, but they don't usually want to be the top authority. 
Uh, they, they'll assume responsibility if uh, there's a, a leadership vacuum, though. If nobody's willing to lead, they're, they're typically u usually willing to step up and do something about it. Uh, they like long-term goals rather than short-term goals. And the opposite and balance of the servant, by the way. By the way, it's amazing how a lot of these balance each other out. And the servant uh, just wants to get the short-term goals done and forget about those long-term. We'll let somebody else handle that. But the organizer loves those long-term goals and wants to organize everything to get those accomplished. And they can delegate responsibility well, uh, willing to let others get the credit so long as the job gets done. That's the main thing. Some dangers that we've seen is they can get easily upset if their vision isn't carried out by others the way that they came up with it, uh, if they're acting in the flesh. Uh, they can be driven but neglectful of personal or family, uh, family needs. And they can tend to view people as resources and can cause hurt because of it. Uh, they can tend to build loyalty through favoritism. Uh, we see a lot of that uh, with organizers if they're acting in the flesh. And they can tend to delegate to avoid work, let someone else do it so that they can be busy doing something else. And so uh, they can put, uh, sometimes put projects before people. Uh, and hurt people whenever they uh, experience that. The organizer uh, who sees the plate of food spilt may say something like, Jim, would you go get the vacuum? Sue, would you help me pick up these big pieces? And Mary, would you fix another plate for, uh, for uh, uh, food for this person? And they're organized. They pull these people and see these resources and say, let's work together to get this done. Very helpful in the church, amen? And uh, we need organizers. And, uh, and, uh, but we have to be very careful to yield to the Holy Spirit through it all. And then letter G, the last one, mercy. The mercy. Uh, uh, he says, of he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, this is a person gifted with a gift of compassion. Uh, they have a tremendous capacity of showing love. And they're typically very cheerful and joyful especially when led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're motivated to help people have right relationships and repair relationships. When there's a rift in the church, they want to be right there trying to get it back together. Uh, they're, they're very careful with the words that they use so it doesn't cause offense to other people. Uh, they're very deeply loyal to friends. Uh, and they, they tend to look for the good in people rather than the negative. Uh, they're ruled by the heart rather than the head. And they feel, feel this, and so they're led by the heart to accomplish what, uh, what it is. And sometimes they miss some things, just like the, uh, the teacher misses things from the heart. <laughs> and so the mercy kind of balances out as well. Uh, they empathize well with the hurting. And when someone's hurting, they're right there beside them, helping them and compassionately loving on them so that they can get through what they're hurting. And they attract people that are in distress. I think my mom is a mercy, possibly, I think. It seems like all my life, no matter if somebody had a problem, they found her and talked to her about it. I remember many times our pizza getting cold when the pizza, the pizza delivery guy was telling her his life story. And, uh, you know, and everything. And, and uh, we just go get the pizza and say, keep talking. <laughs> we start, start going. But she just has that compassion to try to help and, uh, you know, and just listen. And, uh, and, you know, it's, uh, they tend to balance out the prophet in the church very well. Um, some dangers are that they can tend to be indecisive. Uh, they can take up offenses for other people very easily because they see the hurt. And so they empathize with that. And they get angry and bitter sometimes. Uh, they can tolerate evil rather than deal with it. 
because they don't want to hurt someone. Uh, they can lean more on emotions versus reason or knowledge. Uh, they can be more willing to cut people off if uh, they are insensitive or hurt other people around them. And the mercy, when a plate of food is spilled, may say something like, don't feel bad, it could happen to anyone. And uh, they're just concerned about their, their emotions and their feelings. So they, these are just some things, and boy, we just whirlwinded through it here. Uh, but uh, you can go back and listen to those if you have something you're interested in or want a, a, a spiritual gift test uh, there. But God has gifted each of us differently but purposefully. And he has put people in this church. When God leads someone to the church, he knows exactly who to send to where he wants you to be. And he says, this church needs this gift. And then he sends people to that place to help, not to sit in a pew and do nothing, but to help, amen, and be involved. And we can't covet someone else's gift. <clears throat> we can't, <clears throat> or else we're telling God that he didn't know what he was doing when he gave it to that person instead of me. <clears throat> but we know that he does know what he's doing, amen? And God has fit us all together so that we can do the job that he wants Mills Memorial Baptist Church to do in this community and this world around us. The question is, are you willing to use your motivational gift that God has given you to do the work that he wants this church body to do? Are you willing to help? Uh, we all react differently to the same situation, but we are all needed to get the complete job done. Amen? I used the illustration back when I was teaching on uh, spiritual gifts, and we'll close with this. Uh, but if seven different people, each having a different motivational gift, came to visit someone that was sick in the hospital, uh, this is what it might look like. Uh, first of all, uh, the prophet. He says, he says, what is God trying to say to you through this illness? Is there some sin that you haven't confessed yet? And he'll try to figure out what the truth of this is and how God's word can apply to it. Uh, next to the servant, uh, it says, uh, here's, here's a little gift. Uh, now I brought your mail in, I, I fed your dog, I watered your plants, and I washed all your dishes, so you don't have to worry about any of that. And they're just busy trying to get the needs done, the little things taken care of. Uh, the teacher might say something like, I did some research on your illness, and I believe I can explain what's happening here, and this is what you need to take care of it. And it's just the natural tendency of the teacher uh, to try to help in a way they, they, they can, and typically by uh, investigating what's, what's going on. The exhorter <clears throat> might say, well, how can we use what you're learning here to help others in the future? How are you going through this, and what is it that God could try to teach you so that you can turn and help someone else? Uh, and uh, the exhorter looks at it that way. The giver it says, uh, it's concerned, they say, do you have any insurance to cover this kind of illness? Is everything, you got all your needs met? Is, is, is there something else? You're missing a lot of work. Are you okay? Do you have enough money? And uh, they're interested in taking care of the finances or the practical uh, financial situation. The organizer says, don't worry about a thing. I've assigned your job to four others in the office and the church, and uh, we've taken care of everything. So don't worry about a thing. Uh, the mercy says, I can't begin to tell you how I felt when I learned that you were sick. How do you feel now? And they're interested in what's going on in their heart and their feelings. You know what? We're all needed, amen? And we need the organizers to take care of all the things that are falling apart at home <laughs> when we're in the hospital. We need the servant to take care of all those little things. We need the giver to make sure that finances are being taken care of. We need all of those things, and we need that mercy to come along and be that support and comfort that we need in those times of distress. We're all needed, 
So let's get busy doing our part. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Boy, what a busy sermon. What so much packed information in here. And Lord, I <clears throat> thank you for <clears throat> giving us wisdom and strength, Lord, as, as we continue to serve you. As you have given us the gifts that you want us to have so that we can do what you want us to do. Lord, I pray that you would be with us tonight as we go home. Keep us safe as we travel. Uh, bring us back safely together to be able to worship, to be able to fellowship, and to be able to do the job that you have called us to do through our giftings. I pray that you bless us now today and be with us. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. God bless you. Have a good evening. <clears throat> we'll see you, Lord willing, on Wednesday. Don't forget, we're uh, starting painting tomorrow at the house. And so if you're available, if you're uh, uh, able to, we'll uh, over at 22 Turner Street. And uh, we're going to start painting tomorrow at 10. All right, God bless you. Have a good night. <clears throat>